this episode of the This Is Believe One podcast, I'm talking about Denzel Ward, Baker Mayfield, and Nick Chubb. I'm your host, James Mastrucci, and today I'm joined by Pearl. Pearl, how's it going? What's going on? It's an honor to be here. Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast last week, uh, the 6 a.m. Tailgate Cleveland Browns podcast. Uh, you can find that over on LandmadeLLC.com. Some pretty good content you got over there. Thanks, man. Thanks. It was a pleasure having you on. That uh, that episode went, got over 55 views. Um, got a lot of positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Said we meshed pretty good. So thank you. It was an honor. I think we did a great show. Yeah, I had a great time doing so. I thought, you know, return the favor, have you over on mine. And Absolutely. Uh, you know, let's get into it. Let's talk about the Browns. They got a couple fifth-year options that they got to talk about. Uh, you know, let's start with Baker. Baker is the more polarizing one, I guess. Because mm-hmm. they can either decide to extend him or just pick him up and let him play out. And it seems like they're just going to let him play out his fifth-year option. Do you agree with that um, that process that they're going through? Or do you think they should try to get one of those early extensions out there? So I think they should let him play it out. I feel like this. I feel like Baker showed some promise year one. Um, everybody know the debacle of year two. Whether it be him not preparing properly or not having a sufficient coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Year three, under uh, Kevin Stefanski, you've seen the growing pains of learning a new offense, of not having an offseason, everything was virtual. And by midseason, he started to pick it up. Yeah. And so now going into this year, what he's learned, he's put, he's put a lot of good film on tape. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of defensive coordinators that's looking to become head coaches. And so his film on tape now, now it becomes the question of can you come back and can you duplicate that or be better? And I think the Browns want to see that, regardless of what Andrew Barry has said about not really focusing on what happened with Jerry Goff or Carson Wentz, how that doesn't play a factor. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think it does play a factor in how they handle Baker. I don't think paying Baker $40 million a year is an issue uh, if, he, if he proves to have sustained success because, I mean, that's just, one, the going rate. And two, if you got a quarterback that's that can compete, that can take you to a Super Bowl, I don't think you care about paying him that much money. But I think in Baker's case, he has to play through that option year to prove that he's worth it. And just due to his recent history, you just want to see some consistency before you hand out that type of money. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you on that. And you brought up something that I'm glad that you brought up, and that was Andrew Berry's comments that he made about Jared Goff and Carson Wentz trying to say it wasn't a mm-hmm. precautionary tale. But, like, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. It literally is a precautionary tale of extending a guy too early. Uh, we saw Absolutely. We saw injuries and inconsistent play pretty much end Carson Wentz's time in Philly. Uh, defense has figured out Jared Goff. They realize that it's Sean McVay that makes that engine run in Los Angeles, and it's not Jared Goff, which for right. most people it should have been obvious, but for you know people who understand the game, it was very obvious. Now, we're in a very similar situation here in Cleveland with Baker. It's like, is he the guy running the offense or is it Stefanski? I'm like, it's Stefanski and it's it's Nick Chubb. Those are the guys that run the offense. So uh, saying that those are precautionary tales for Baker in Cleveland, I have to say that is the case. Yeah, I think so too. Because, it, I mean, a lot of it is Kevin Stefanski. Mm-hmm. Stefanski is able to hide what Baker doesn't do well. And he's still able to produce when, it, when he's hiding his flaws. Yes. But I think as the season went on, where I do give Baker credit is, is he was willing to be open to some tough coaching and some learning mm-hmm. from Stefanski. And, you know, we don't really know yet if it's 
if if it's Baker or if it's just Stefanski's offense. Um, I think at this point it's more of Stefanski's offense than Baker. Yeah. But I think if Baker comes out in year two of this offense and can be better than he was last year, mm-hmm. then I think people will be willing to give Baker uh, more credit, credit, you know, as it goes. Because I'm one of those guys that believe that when it comes to quarterback play, I think it's half coaching, half talent anyway. Yeah. You know, Patrick Mahomes, for example, mm-hmm. ultra talented superstar quarterback, but would he really be in that? situation if he didn't have Andy Reid as his head coach yeah. and those are questions that's that's necessary to ask and so in Baker's case Kevin Stefanski runs a system that's complicated that takes a while to pick up mm-hmm. and he was able to have some success without any offseason so I kind of want to give him credit there yes. but I think Stefanski realized early on in the season season what he doesn't do well and so he kind of eliminated a lot of things that he you know, he nested, uh, other under other circumstances he wouldn't have, mm-hmm. and so hopefully that's not the case this season. Yeah, the the one thing I did notice fairly early on, it was a, a recurring theme throughout last season, was uh, Kevin Stefanski was able to scheme guys open for Baker to throw to. Like, yeah, Baker made right. some impressive throws throughout the season. You know, that bombed uh, Peoples Jones uh, to for the game winner, and he's, he he ripped a couple. But a lot of the throws he made were easy first-read throws, which were schemed open for him to hit that guy at that precise moment. Now, credit where credit is due. Baker executed. You know, he did his job. But the one thing I always fall back on, like, is it Stefanski that's making this happen, or is Baker doing it? It seems like it's more, I'd probably say, 65-35 Stefanski to Baker. I would like to see that more closer 60-40 or 50-50 to this year. And I think that's what we're all looking for to see it become, you know, to kind of basically close that gap a little bit. Yeah. Because a lot of us believe, you know, most of this is Kevin Stefanski. As you said, Mm -hmm. the scheme was able to allow him to hit his first read on target. And we seen when that first read wasn't there, you know, Baker, he struggled. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I seen him go through his progressions a little bit better towards the end of the season. I think about the Baltimore game a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and Baker threw an interception in that game, but he played fairly well overall in a losing effort. And he was going through his progressions because we all know the the Ravens secondary is top tier. Yeah. So, you know, with with, uh, Humphrey out there playing corner, your first option is more often than not not available to you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for him to, you know, show some growth in that area, I, I just have my biggest concern is after year one, they had tape on you. You came back in year two, and you failed. Yes. So here we are again after year three. They have tape on you after success. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do now that they have film on you? Are you going to be able to adjust to that adjustment? Or is the same thing that's going to happen in 2019 happen in 2021? And, and that's the biggest question. And that's a, that's a very valid question. Luckily, I think that we have a, a coaching staff that's better suited to, I guess, adjust or, you know, put together a game plan compared to the, the Freddie Kitchens experience, which was uh, call plays that they didn't practice in the week, uh, which is never right. going to work ever. But looking at what they have and the adjustments that they're going to make, there will be adjustments. There will be some growing pains. And I, I know everyone got excited because, you know, Baker turned it on towards the end of the year, and this is another second half of the season where he looked better than the first half, but I'm like, okay, he looked good, I'm happy he looked good, but I'm not going to get all crazy like, oh, he's an elite QB, he's top five, he's top ten, because I'm like, 
I just need to see more consistent production because if there's one thing about Baker, it's that he's consistently inconsistent. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And that's where we are, are looking to see more consistency from that quarterback position um, on and off the field. Yeah. So far, he's had a good offseason off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard, you know, rumors from people who who think they have some insight about, you know, he spent pretty much majority of this offseason with Kevin Stefanski. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a Stefanski interview maybe late January. Okay. He talked about he took maybe a week off after the playoff game, but he immediately went into the playbook mm-hmm. and started moving what's not going forward next year. Yeah. And keep what's what will be, but then retooling some things mm-hmm. so that it looks different to opposing defenses. Mm-hmm. And you you spoke about the Freddie Kitchens experiment. Freddie Kitchens didn't have a clue yeah. on <laughs> anything that, you know, Kevin Stefanski is doing now. He didn't know how to prepare like that. And I think that he's fortunate to have a head coach talking mm-hmm. about Baker Mayfield like Kevin Stefanski because you can ensure that you're going to always be put in the best situations to be successful. Now, Absolutely. it's on you as a player to do your part, to do your homework, to mm-hmm. put in the reps necessary so that you can grow. And this will be the telltale, in my opinion. I think by year four, you pretty much know what you have in a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so if he comes out with the same early season struggles, the Browns might look to move on Yeah. after year five. You know, I always think about Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. Alex Smith was in Kansas City, and from afar, he looked exceptionally well. Yeah. But inside that organization, they felt like that they, they could get better at that position. Mm-hmm. So they drafted Patrick Mahomes and moved on from Alex Smith. Yeah. And Alex Smith, at the time that they traded him, he had a pretty damn good season. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you know, he was some scrub quarterback. Yeah. And I think that might be the situation with Baker, that your best might not be good enough, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here mm-hmm. and say that, you know, he's going to take that next step forward. I think confidence is a lot with him. And last season was a confidence booster, so we should see how that works out. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, the Mahomes-Smith dynamic in KC. I mean, because it's important to realize, even though if you have a quarterback who's good, you can always improve if you don't have an elite guy. And I think a lot of people are like, okay, Baker's the best we've had in 20 years. We should lock him up. I'm like, did you look at our past for the past 20 years? It's, it's been a, you know, a steaming pile of crap. You know, so look, looking at comparison, Baker is better, but it's not really a low bar to clear for, for some of the Browns quarterbacks in, over the past 20 years or so. You know what's funny about that? You're absolutely right. The the What you compare that against is not much. But I always think about a guy like Colt McCoy. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Colt McCoy didn't have the nerve injury. Yeah. You know, when it comes to actual talent, not saying, you know, success, wins, losses, et cetera, but actual talent. Yeah. He was probably the most talented quarterback that we had drafted. Yeah. I, I can I can agree you with know. that. Yeah. And I think that due to circumstance, he was not able to showcase mm-hmm. the best of his ability. And he's turned into a career backup. But, yeah, I mean, when people say, you know, Baker's the best. Well, yeah, Baker is the best that we've had in 20 years. But. As you said, I mean, who do we have that to measure against? Tim Couch, Kelly Holcomb, Johnny Seneca Manziel. Wallace, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Manziel, Brian Hoyer. I mean, what what's, what what that measured against it? I mean, it doesn't hold much weight. If yeah. I'm being totally honest. 
And it's also important to, to note when people like to cherry-pick uh, certain like NFL stats through the first three years, and they always compare them against guys that played like 30 years ago. That's, they're irrelevant stats when you're doing it. That The game's entirely different. I mean, it, it's fun. Graphic it's fun to see him against Brady. like Elway or Manning or Marino or stuff, but the game was entirely different when those guys yeah. played. Uh, my favorite one. My favorite one is the Brett Favre, Drew Brees uh, graphic that he's always thrown in with, and it's like, come on, man, give me a break. Yeah. Brett Favre is in the Hall of Fame. Drew Brees is headed to the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and the game is totally different. Yeah. You know, the the game now is is it's more catered for Baker to have success than it was when Drew Brees started playing and mm-hmm. when Brett Favre was in his playing days. Yeah. I mean, those guys was getting beat up. You know, literally, they were getting beat up. The rules were tailored mm-hmm. more towards the defensive side of the ball. Nowadays, you can't sneeze on the quarterback. <laughs> and the NFL is, you know, it's constructed for you to score about 30, 35 points a game. Mm-hmm. And so to have those type of comparisons, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's I don't understand why, but you know how it is in this game, man. You can produce any stat to support whatever argument you want to make for any player, good or bad. So. Yeah, and and one final thing on Baker before we move on to Denzel Ward is people make the Drew Brees comparison all the time. He does not have anywhere near the pocket presence that Drew Brees does at any point in Drew Brees' career. He has got impeccable just pocket presence. He's able to feel when a defender's coming in. He's able to know when to get rid of the ball. Baker doesn't have that. And I think you hear Drew Brees, you hear Russell Wilson because of the height. Mm -hmm. And those guys' pocket presence is unmatched yeah you know and let's talk about the guy that's that's that that was drafted a year after him from the same school that won a heisman as well mm-hmm. kyler murray is about an inch shorter than baker mm-hmm. and his pocket presence is better than makers yeah. already it already is. already so you know some things it, it's worrisome because you know baker finished his college career with about a 62 percent uh completion percentage mm-hmm. and his accuracy was one of the things that he was known for uh-huh and it just seems like to be the pocket presence and the accuracy is not there anymore. No, it's not. You no, know, but it's not there anymore. So this is going to be a, a very interesting season, and I think this season will basically uh, hold a lot of weight on how the Browns decide to move forward with Baker. Absolutely. You know, in a perfect world, he plays up to the expectations that he has, and he is able to sign that long-term mega deal, which. I mean, ideally, if you have to sign a quarterback to a deal that pays him $40 million a year, it's because he's good enough that he doesn't need weapons to support him in his play. But from what we've seen, it's been he needs a certain talent level around him for him to perform up to expectations. And that's just not a guy you pay. Absolutely. He's a guy that needs he needs everything to be aligned for him to have success. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the Aaron Rodgers or the Tom Brady's of the world who you know, are dealing with the leftovers, so to speak, as far as talent and still making something happen. I mean, we all know the type of weapons that Tom Brady had to throw to. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers has complained of not having weapons out of Devont- outside of Devontae Adams, seems like, for the last several seasons. Mm-hmm. Baker has a loaded offense. And yeah. if you have a loaded offense, we shouldn't be having the conversation that we're having about exactly. the same continuous struggles. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing. So... You know, it's uh, it's gonna be make make a break season for him this season, I do believe. Mm-hmm. And like you said, in the ideal world, you know, we can go ahead and secure him for the you know long term. 
and and move forward. But if not, you know, this is Cleveland. Yeah. By the middle of the season, we're going to be looking at who's coming out of the draft and figuring <laughs> out, you know, how can we land that guy. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Hope for the best. Expect the worst. Prepare for the worst. Hope for something, I guess. I don't know. Expect something in the middle. I don't know. Something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's let's move on to Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is another guy who they got to make the decision for the fifth-year option on. And unlike Baker, who I think they should pick and wait, I think Ward is someone they, sh- they should probably try to extend instead of picking a fifth-year option. Because I think Ward's played up to a higher level that's been expected of him. And that fifth-year option number for Ward is pretty hefty. I look at it like this, and it's just this plain and simple for me. When it comes to Baker Mayfield, you're still trying to figure out who Baker is and what you have. Mm -hmm. When it comes to Denzel Ward, I think they already have a good idea of who he is as a player, what they have, et cetera. And due to the position he played, that fifth-year option is going to be – that's a high cap number. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a bona fide number one shutdown corner. Yeah. You don't play around with that because Mm – those guys do not become available on the open market almost never. Yeah. And the fact that you have one of those, you know, a lot of people want to point to the injuries of him never playing a full 16-game schedule. But I think Baker, um, not Baker, Denzel has improved every year. He's gotten bigger every year. He's been in the weight room. Mm-hmm. He's worked on his craft. You know, he, he made uh, some bona fide plays in the run game. His instincts was a little better. It just seemed like his tackling got better last season. It did. It seemed like, you know, his play towards the line of scrimmage. I think about the Taki Taki interception against uh, Philadelphia, right? Yeah. That was Denzel Ward who came off the corner, mm-hmm. you know, that disrupted that play. And so look at, looking at Denzel, I, I just think that, uh, again, you, you got to offer him up a new extension because you know what you have in him. Mm-hmm. You know what his abilities are. And you know uh, what he brings to this team. We know what it looks like without him on the field. Yes. And we know what it looks like with him on the field. Here's a guy that's always top four, top five in pass breakups. He's probably the fastest, if not the second fastest cornerback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And the guy has great man-to-man cover skills. He can play the zone a lot to be able to make some plays. This is a guy that you lock up long-term right now. Yeah, I mean. Right now. Yeah, Ward's the guy that, you know, if you're talking early extensions, keep him in for – for the talent, not all of his career, the bulk of his career, it's Denzel Ward. I mean, that's the guy where, you, I don't want to say, you know, give him a blank check, but think about giving him a blank check. Keep him in town. I mean, it's not up to the point where, like, the entire side of the field shut down with Ward on there, but it's close. <laughs> it's, right. It's, it's pretty right. damn close when he's on the field. Because what's the cap number for the fifth-year option for Ward? Isn't it close to, like, $18 million? I believe it's thirteen. Thirteen million. I think it's thirteen million because he's a because for his position it's a corner and I think it is because he made a Pro Bowl. It's thirteen. Right, and you know the interesting thing about that twenty eighteen draft class, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but this will be meaning next season. This will be the first time that the actual fifth year option is fully guaranteed. That two thousand eighteen class is the first class that you know will have that option fully guaranteed. And so I'm pretty sure Andrew Barry has already looked at that, you know, and figured out, okay, how can we save ourselves some money on the back end? Because there's a quarterback in Green Bay, Jair Alexander, uh-huh. that's in a similar situation as far as, you know, he's going to have a contract coming up. 
and you want to kind of get out ahead of that. You don't want to be Dallas, right? Yeah. You don't. You, you know what I mean. You don't want Patrick Mahomes to go sign his extension, and now you're sitting there wondering, okay, you know, what am I going to do? So mm-hmm. I, I think knowing that Jair's rated out as the top corner from last season, you want to get Baker taken. I mean, not Baker, Denzel <laughs> taken care of now, so that you know you're not playing a number game with his agent when it, uh, you know, compares to the other uh, corners in the NFL that's coming up for contract extensions. I mean, you're absolutely right there. I mean, the, the last thing they need to do is get into some highest-paid player at the position war with other other teams. I mean, right. And, and you brought up Dallas, and that was a perfect example. They got backed into a corner, and listen, I like Dak Prescott. Not that much, though. <laughs> right, right. You know, Dak Prescott is a – he's a guy – Dak puts up the numbers. You know, and he has a great offensive line. He has all the weapons. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just Dallas being Dallas. They can never put it all together. You know, and it's hard to figure out, pinpoint actually why they can't. You know what it kind so. of reminds me of? It's not a, it's not a, like a apples for apples comparison, but Matt Stafford in Detroit is what it sort of reminds yeah. me of. Absolutely. It's just he's, Absolutely. Got, he's got weapons. He's got, you know, at times they've, they've had some good defensive players on the team. But, I mean, they fell flat. Over and over again. Yeah. With a pretty damn good quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, but I think I think the Browns should go ahead and, and lock up Denzel Ward. You know, Denzel Ward is a, a, a standout on the field and off the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, the Cleveland Browns way of doing things and the type of players that they're looking to uh, retain and obtain on this team, mm-hmm. he fits that mantra. And you can't talk that talk and not walk that walk. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that that's the one they need to get done. Yeah, they already locked up Miles Garrett for a long-term extension. Time to lock up the other most important position on the field, corner on defense. Yeah. Go get Denzel Ward. Get him locked up for a good deal and keep him in town. Because I don't see – I mean, they've invested heavy in that secondary. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as the money that they spend in free agency, the draft picks that they've – you know, spent on 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 certain players, mm-hmm. and I can't see them letting the biggest piece of that walk away. Yeah. You know, this thing starts with Denzel Ward, and so I'm pretty sure that they'll get that taken care of. Um, but he's definitely he's definitely going to get his extension before Baker gets his. I can almost guarantee you that one. You know, and like I said, because simply they know him better. And what he brings to the table more than what Baker does mm-hmm. and the position he plays. Yeah. You know, Baker plays quarterback, which is number one priority in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a shutdown corner or a pass rusher, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're not in good shape. And yeah. so the Browns are fortunate to be in a position to where you have quality players at the most important positions in football. Mm-hmm. You gotta make sure that those guys are here long term. Yeah. A- absolutely. I mean, Denzel Ward's a guy they just need to keep. Uh, now, let's let's talk into a, go to a topic that could become, I guess, sort of contentious because I don't know where you sit on it uh, in regards to Nick Chubb. Okay, I'm a big Nick Chubb fan. Um, as far as extension goes, I am probably not in that camp. I don't know about you. I'm not. Ooh, okay. I'm not. And I want to hear your reasons. I have my reasons. I want to hear yours. All right, so Nick Chubb is phenomenal. Yes. On the field, off the field. As far as on the field talent, 
He's probably the best Browns running back since 1999. Mm-hmm. You probably can argue he's the second or third best Browns running back ever. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in Kevin Stefanski's scheme with Bill Callahan mm-hmm. as the offensive line coach, I believe that anybody, not anybody, I believe that you can acquire another talented running back mm-hmm. and have the same amount of success. And I think that people have a tendency to get lost in how good Nick Chubb is and, you know, just think that we should pay him whatever we want to, he wants mm-hmm. and keep him here for the long haul. But the truth is, his position is expendable. Mm-hmm. There are always quality running backs in the NFL, guys that you can get on a rookie contract, that you can get the same production that Nick Chubb brings you. And this is the question that I've asked people. Is he LaDainian Tomlinson or Adrian Peterson? So I guess, James, I'll ask you. Okay. Do you think his talent compares to Adrian Peterson or LaDainian Tomlinson? Adrian Peterson. Okay, so if this is my argument. If he's Adrian Peterson or LT, if he's one of those two guys, mm-hmm. then yes, you have to lock him up and if you have to pay him. Okay. But if he's not, then you can move on and you can get equal mm-hmm. or lesser talent but you can still have some success. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me that you think he's Adrian Peterson, then the Browns need to hold on to him and they need to pay him. Because now you're talking about a guy that's going to be a Hall of Fame running back, mm-hmm. that's going to be top three in the NFL when it's all said and done as far as rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. If, but if you... he's not that, Go ahead. we have to move forward. But now, so I... far he seems to be that. So I have reasoning for why I chose Adrian Peterson instead of LaDainian Tomlinson. And this is part of the reason why I say no to giving him an extension. And it's because impact in the passing game. LaDainian Tomlinson was a legitimate impact player in the passing game, as is some of the other players who've gotten extensions. You know, you look at, or, you know, some of the guys that should get extensions. So you look at, you know, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, those type of guys who are impact in the running and passing game. You have to account for them as a receiver in addition to be a running back. That's not Nick mm-hmm. Chubb. I, I love Nick Chubb. He's a fantastic runner. He is not a great, I guess, receiver, if you will. So looking at Peterson's stats, he was not a great receiver either. His impact was the running game. Not that that's a bad thing, but when you're looking at an offense being more than one-dimensional, which the Browns need to be, right? Chubb doesn't have that, that second dimension of being a... I guess, effective pass catcher to keep defenses on their heels. I mean, sure, he catches some screens, some flat passes, but, you know, he's not going to go out and burn a corner or or a linebacker. He'll run them over after he catches the ball, but he's not going to beat them in space. And so that's where I'm at when it comes to running backs and extensions. Do they make an impact in the running and passing game? If they don't, I don't extend them. So I think it's... Actually, I think it's a third factor in there as well. And, you know, based on your opinion about it, even though Kareem Hunt might not be the same talent, Mm -hmm. he might be the more necessary piece because he can run between the tackles, outside of the tackles. Mm -hmm. He can catch the ball in the passing game. One of the other things about Kareem Hunt, and I'm not sure if a lot of people noticed it, his pass blocking ability. Mm Mm-hmm. Is, is is very exceptional. So for me, 
I need a running back that can run in between the tackles, outside of the tackles. I need a running back that can catch out the backfield. But more than anything, Mm -hmm. I need him to be able to pick up that extra blitzer Mm -hmm. that's coming, whether it be the corner, whether it be an extra linebacker, an extra edge rusher. I need you to be able to pick up that blitz and not get your quarterback killed. Yeah. I think Nick Tubb can do that part. We have not seen much of him catching the ball out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, in today's NFL, I can see why you say that. Yeah. You know, that you need to basically be able to catch the ball out the backfield and have success in that area in order for you to warrant a contract extension. But I will argue this point as well. I'm ready. Derrick Henry is not a guy that catches the ball out the backfield much. Mm -hmm. And he just got a contract extension. And what did he do? He had over 2,000 yards all purpose this year. Yes. And of, of the guys that actually got extensions this last season, the only one who underperformed was Christian McCaffrey, but he was hurt. He was hurt. And so, so I do feel like, yeah, to your point, yeah, if you can catch the ball out the backfield, then you might warrant it a little bit more. But these these power backs, mm-hmm. they wear you down. They do. Come December and January. And those are the guys that you're going to lean on mm-hmm. when the weather gets cold. You know, when when the ball when the wind is blowing, swirling in the middle of First Energy Stadium, I don't think they're going to be trying to dump the ball off. I think they're going to want to pound a rock. And you know, as we talked about with Denzel, mm-hmm. you know, Andrew Barry has said a Cleveland Browns player he wants to fit a certain mantra. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb fits every mantra that yeah. any NFL organization would want. Mm-hmm. And so, what does it? say to the organization that comes out publicly and say, we want our players to look like this and play like this, and you have the epitome of that guy in Nick Chubb, and then you don't give him an extension. Yeah. So I, I think... I'm glad you brought up Derrick Henry, because that's probably the only extension I would be happy with, because it gets very team-friendly after year two. This dead right. cap number after year two is only $6 million, and in year four, it's $3 million. So... It's workable. They can get around it if he like breaks down or gets hurt or is just no longer effective. So I would not be against that. But if they can't seem to, I guess, agree on a deal or if a Derrick Henry type extension isn't possible, this has got franchise tag once, maybe twice. Then it's been real, written all over it. I, I'll tell you this. I think that they should definitely franchise tag Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. I think that should actually absolutely be the first option because. You have to pay the average of the top five running backs. Mm-hmm. That average is going to be anywhere from eight to twelve million. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and twelve million being on the high side, and and which leads to the next question. You know, Aaron Jones just got a twelve million a year from Green Bay. Is Nick Chubb better than Aaron Jones? And what would you pay? Would you pay twelve? Would you pay thirteen? Are you? I'm not willing to pay him more than fourteen, fifteen, and yeah. I think fourteen and fifteen. May be too high, but I can see it somewhere being around 12 and a half, 13 million if they were to offer him an extension. And you know, I'd be happy with that. You know, just front load the deal, of course, because it gives you some flexibility on the back end, which is something to be right. very important throughout the competitive team building process. And so, like, if we're again bringing up Derrick Henry's contract as a template, it would be perfect. Do something along that, right. but they, if they can't do that, it, franchise tag's fine because. Last year's franchise tag was just over eleven million, so it's. It and, and like you said, you want to kind of you you kind of want to front load load the front end so mm-hmm. that you know you can have some flexibility for team building, uh, 
towards the end of the contract. Mm-hmm. If you pay attention to how Andrew Barry has uh, negotiated all of these contracts yeah. since he's been the general manager, Austin Hooper, his his deal is front end loaded. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these guys deals are front end loaded. Take Miles Garrett deal, deal for example. Miles Garrett is only accounting, I think, for like eight or nine million dollars of the cap cap hit this year. And so, you know, how however he's constructing these contracts is working to make sure the Browns have to sustain success. You know, and looking at Nick Chubb, I think he's he's a exceptional player. I, I really do. But I think we need to be careful because he does play running back. And I know people don't want to believe it, mm-hmm. but just because you're an exceptional running back, it doesn't warrant you making a lot of money. Yeah, I've seen Kansas City have Priest Holmes and Jamal Charles. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know those guys are afterthoughts now. If they've retired, they've they've moved on. But you know, Jamal Charles in his heyday, you know he was one of the best, mm-hmm. but he was not the best, and his skill set didn't warrant them winning the Super Bowl. And so again. You can get another running back in there who can run 4,000 yards. Not saying that they're not important, but they're easy to replace. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to kind of make this entire conversation full, come full circle, it, it really depends on what happens with Baker Mayfield and what he turns into. If he's, right. if, if he's a quarterback where he's, like, the guy and they're like, this is it, we're going to sign this guy up for the long term, they can find a way to, you know, move on from Nick Chubb and not really be all that effective. But if Baker Mayfield is inconsistent and needs that strong running game, that means they're going to need to keep Nick Chubb in town a little bit longer. So it, it it really depends all on Baker Mayfield at the end of the day. And if that's the case, then that means we're moving on from Baker Mayfield. <laughs> that if we have to pay our running, if our running back room mm-hmm. has a collective, hypothetically collectively a 21 million dollar a year cap mm-hmm. hit then yeah we probably need to move on yeah if you if you have to continue to make sure that kareem hunt and nick chubb have what they need mm-hmm. i mean we have a lot of money tied up in that room now and yeah. so if if baker doesn't take the next step forward then yeah they're gonna look at it like i can't keep tying up this money into this position group mm-hmm. and so maybe we need to go get uh, a better player but that does bring it full circle because it's going to depend on what Baker does. I think the only person who who really don't have to worry about any of that is Denzel Ward. You know, Denzel Ward is he's his own man. He's in his own lane. Mm-hmm. But for Nick Chubb, I think Baker's future and how he goes about things is going to you know tell a tale for himself and what his Cleveland Browns future might look like. Mm-hmm. You know, and I found it very interesting that they did give Kareem Hunt a two year extension yeah. last year. So. No, all those things play they, they they play a factor. They they do play a factor. Um as we're wrapping up here, uh, any thoughts of what position you want them to take at twenty sixth in the draft? I got I'm actually working on an article now. Ooh, I don't okay. think they're gonna stay at twenty six. Moving up or down? I think we're moving up. And here's why. I know we're wrapping up, but here's why. The first three picks pretty much has been solidified as mm-hmm. as as it's gonna be quarterbacks. We really don't know what's going to happen at forward Atlanta, whether they'll take another pass catcher or quarterback of the future. But if you look at the top nine picks, it's projected to be a quarterback, an offensive lineman, or a wide receiver drafted. The first defensive player is not projected to come off the board into pick 10, which is Dallas. Then you have the Giants and you have the Eagles. 
And I highlight the Eagles at 12 because Andrew Berry has a relationship with those guys. Mm-hmm. If the Browns can get up to 12, you put yourself in position to get the top corner available, the top linebacker available, the top edge rusher available. Now, why 12? And, you know, that's 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 pretty high from 26. But we have two number threes and two number fours, which is a lot of draft capital. Mm-hmm. You can package a one and three, you can get up to 12, and you can get the best available mm-hmm. instead of, waiting to 26 to see who falls to you, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the position itself, I think it's going to be edge rusher. Okay. You know, I think it's going to be edge rusher. And I like Kitty Play out of Michigan. Um, I like uh, Greg Russo a lot out of Miami. And I know Russo didn't have the best pro day. Yeah. And there's more raw potential versus being solidified of what he can do. Mm-hmm. But I think that you're getting a kid that can dominate on the other side. And with the Browns' interior line being as good as it is with Malik Jackson and, and Sheldon Richardson, mm-hmm. he really won't have too many problems, I don't think. So Yeah, I mean, that would be an interesting pick. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, bump your stuff real quick before we uh, get out of here? Absolutely, absolutely. So, again, I am Pearl. You can find me on Facebook at Earl D. Malden. Find me on Instagram at 216 underscore Pearl. Make sure you are checking out the 6 a.m. Cleveland Browns podcast. You can find that on my website, www.landmadellc.com. And you can also check out my blog and work. Um, we've got a lot going on. Uh, got some uh, future podcasts coming called The Eye Test, which will be a, basically a roundtable, all sports type of discussion. So, you know, definitely something that me, me and you can get into. But uh, this was fun. Definitely enjoyed, you know, being here and um, talking some Browns football with you, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, remember uh, to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, check us out on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, rate five stars, all that good stuff. So this has been uh, this episode of This Is Bleeding Podcast. Thank you.